It is podcasting time. We are coming to you from the PowerWorks garage. Glenn Power is here. It's his garage. Uh, a big shout oh, out to everyone garage. listening. <laughs> exactly. PowerWorks garage. Glenn Power. A big shout out to everyone on Talk 100.3 FM here in Dubai who are listening in on the podcast. Great to have you with us. Huge shout out to our number one fan in Canada, Elham, who listens intently to the program. I she is amazing and she has lots of comments and lots of ideas and i think at some point we're going to get her on the podcast too i'm sure if i said you know Elham, we want to call you up she'd say okay i'm here how is it what time difference wise where are we at now uh nine hours oh, so it's mid- midnight yeah uh she might do it she's young yeah. she's yeah. she's smart she'll do it that's it there you go <laughs> She can't be that smart. She's going to agree to do that, James. <laughs> I'll, I'll let her have a, a few words with you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's great. It's great to be back in podcasting. Of course, you know, so much going on and time is flying. I wanted to follow back on something that we talked about several podcasts ago, and that's the Skoda. Yeah. Are you still driving it? Yeah. Still loving it? Yeah. What's not to love you about um, 820 kilometers on a tank? Oh man, and this is not an electric vehicle. This is not and it's a only a fifty liter tank as well, so it's like one hundred and forty dirhams to fill it from fumes. And you're going eight hundred kilometers. Yeah, it's not hybrid. No, it's not electric. So one point five. So this is saying a lot about technology. Yeah, I mean engine technology for them to have tuned it the right parts, the it's right spec, the, the right way. It's got the uh, DSG gearbox on it, so yeah. it shifts gear when it when it's best for the way that you're driving okay and it's light small ish you know if you'd say this car was small in the 70s and 80s unless you lived in america you'd be lying but you know it's i mean you never look at a parking space in it and think "Ah, i'll move and look for another one you get in it parallel park you're in no problem yeah you know but i don't know what's not to love about it (laughs) you know yeah it's like we had some people, so we moved house, we had some people around, and they were like, similar reaction to what Amy had, to be fair. Okay. Oh, Skoda, you know, you own a garage, you know, it's like, yeah, no, that's why it's a Skoda, mate. Yeah. Because the, and I'm VW all the way, but the T-Rock, which is the same vehicle, is going to cost me 40k more maybe if you by the time you spec it and everything else now, that's i crazy. haven't bought this skoda it's on rental yeah but you know even renting ones will be more expensive so no yeah. it's it's just the scent now amy has the same issues with it as i do it's very Wait. tinny and plasticky inside like touch yeah. surfaces the contact surfaces but that would that be enough in terms of putting me off to buy it possibly but for renting, no, no problem. As as your daily run around the city, you need something that you can just get to the supermarket. If you got to make a quick run to Abu Dhabi, okay, we can do that too. It's not a luxury car. You know that going in. It's affordable. You're getting 800 kilometers to a tank. Yeah, 800 kilometers out of a tank. Like, okay. Yeah, and you know what? It's like there's no... It's something that we're more conscious of since having the ID6. There's no worry about looking at the gauge and how far can we go? Where do we stop? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, that was the electric vehicle issue. I mean, the, the, the Touareg I can get 
you know, nearly a thousand kilometers if I drive the Touareg carefully, which is obviously a much bigger car. Which is pretty good too. But it's a huge tank. Yeah. But still, you know, having had the electric vehicle, you do start to get used to thinking, all right, how how far have we got? How long have we got? And, you know, I get the same issue with, with my mobile phone where on a Tuesday and a Thursday after work, I go down to the beach with my daughter because she has an activity on the beach. Shout out to Pirate Surf. But sometimes my phone's red hot all day and mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, it's 5.30, sat on the beach for another hour and I've got 22% and I've got to get home and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like that's something that I think everybody understands that, oh no, my phone's going to die. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, having that with the car isn't great. So... Yeah, the Skoda's fantastic. Really, really happy with it. And and it's so well equipped. As I say, the contact surfaces aren't plush. Mm. They aren't high-end. But the equipment and everything in there is, is great. The armrest is there. The touchscreen, CarPlay on it. It's just It just works. And it's, the, the steering wheel's nice. Everything's good. Seats See, are comfortable. A, to me, this is a positive endorsement because we're now looking at this thing. You've had it for months and you're still saying, hey, this is a good vehicle. Yeah, yeah. I think if 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 I get to the point where there's 70,000 dirhams in my account that I can afford to actually spend on something that's not rent and fees, <laughs> yeah. I would buy one. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's good to know. This is good. Mm. This is very good. So anyone out there who's looking for that next vehicle, you're looking for that runaround, you've got a limited budget, but you want something that is reliable, it still has that quality feel to it. Yeah. And there's nothing again, I've got, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, wanting to aspire to own a, 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 a Mercedes or a Porsche or whatever it may be that you aspire to own. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, in, in real terms, getting to and from work, the school, the shops, whatever it may be that you use your car for, you know, I, I can't think of a, of a more, as sorry, as a, as a, I can't think of any vehicle that's better value for money than this one at the moment. I mm. genuinely, unless unless uh, Ian sold one of his Skodas. <laughs> well, that's it. Ian, the Skoda guy, big fan of our yeah. former radio show. Yeah, and I'm I I don't I'm not sure if he's listening to the podcast, but I'm I'm sure he does. Yeah, probably. I mean, look, we're not affiliated with Skoda in any way. No. We're not not affiliated with Ali and Sunzu, the dis- distributor here, but. You know, go and check them out. They yeah. do an absolutely shocking job, apart from a huge billboard as you come on Shakeside Road uh, in the northbound direction. There's the, there's right, the I've, there I've was the Ramadan billboard yeah. during Ramadan that just said, come and check out our Ramadan offers, but no pricing, no pictures of anything. <laughs> I mean, they do a shocking, they, they, they really do a shocking job of their marketing. Yeah, they've got another billboard with a with a wonderful Skoda photo on it. And you just look at it and you go, that's a nice looking car. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. We've got, go check them out. Yeah. Go, go give, go kick the tires on a Skoda and see what you think. Let yeah. us know. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear back from people yeah. and get your opinions as well, because that's yeah. always cool. It was trolling the socials as I do of PowerWorks. And there was a Ford F-150 that I was hoping was still going to be here. I mean, still is here. I didn't see it. It's outside, I think. Oh, okay. Shelby. Yeah. Mm, with the, the, the Whipple, Whipple charger on it. The Whipple charger. That's the what... biggest supercharger I've ever seen. <laughs> it's called a Whipple. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. 
the, I think from that model is a 2019, I believe. I can't remember now, but it's like the sort of current-ish generation yeah, of them. Yeah. And they were, disappointingly, the Shelby standard was 395 horsepower. Which but is then pretty- the supercharged Whipple, which is what this one is, 755. Yeah. Now driving it, it's a big old now they're based on the lariat so they're based yeah. on the f-150 lariat so they're sort of spec wise they're not you know it's not yeah. like it's based on the king ranch or they've just gone mental with a raptor so there are little things amiss and they're still put together by a group of people in a shed basically shelby's not <laughs> it's world famous but it's not a massive yeah. operation with robots and AI, everything. It's just some guys and girls with silicon and screws and <laughs> they put bits on. Yeah. Uh, but special thing. Yeah, really special. And the only issue we had with it, the reason it was in, was it was being used off-road. And when uh, the vehicle's gone over the dune, it's hit the it's bottomed out on the on the bottom. The approach angle isn't great, yeah, but it's yeah. so high that it normally gets away with it. And it's bottomed out and hit what the drive the owner of the vehicle thinks was perhaps the remnants of a bush that had been smashed around and driven uh-huh. over. And it bent the radar heading for the adaptive cruise control. Yeah, that's a problem. And the forward collision avoidance. Also a problem. So it needed calibrating obviously needed straightening and aligning. We managed to get it straightened and aligned. There's a special tool for it. It's very, very straightforward. Oh, okay. Fiddly, but straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like putting an Ikea cupboard together. <laughs> um, but we couldn't communicate through it because the Whipple tune locks the control unit. So we couldn't communicate through it without removing the tune and then trying to reapply the tune. But that's a huge risk because if we do that and it corrupts it, which yeah. it may well, so that... Obviously, you can't just copy the tune from one vehicle and put it onto another one. So we were worried about that, and it was going to be about $3,000 to buy the tune and the license to then redo it if that happened. So the guys over at Altaya, and to be fair, I don't know if I've said this before, but Ford Altaya, in terms of the dealers here, they're the the ones we have the best experience with, whether it's parts or service. Uh, sales in general should I say they are the most helpful mm. and they're very very reliable oh, so, that's, that's good news yeah. that is really good to so hear we've, we've got it booked in with them they didn't have any appointments till next Tuesday they're very busy yeah yeah um, and we were able to have a straight conversation because I know because I've been there I've been in a dealership where a guy's turned up with a vehicle from an independent garage and he or she has said to us oh, you know, can you just have a look and do this for me? And it's like, well, are you sure it needs that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, usually yeah. it's not that. But, you know, in this case, we knew what the problem was. They let they heard, they, they listened to us. They, you know, they, they heard us out. Yeah. And they've agreed that on Tuesday they will just try and communicate and do the calibration. And if it works, fantastic. There's a charge for that. If not, there's still a charge. But then they're going to say to us, steps a b and c afterwards so mm-hmm. we calibrate those sensors all the time yeah a lot of people use f-150s off the road and a lot of people bend the brackets that hold the sensor on although i do notice one thing with that shelby which sort of goes back to the way they're made <laughs> where they've stuck they've actually bent and ground off a part of the bracket anyway to fit mm. their body kit over it okay 
And then there's a cover over the radar head to keep it, obviously, kind of semi-protected from the elements, which is just silicon on. <laughs> it's just like black silicon, <laughs> almost like an insurance repair yeah. here. Um, but no, that's just how they've done it in their <laughs> little shed somewhere in America. But, you know, there's a bit of a charm to that. Yeah. It's like, you know, the old school way of doing stuff where it was just yeah. a yeah. guy who had an idea <laughs> and... Maybe they've kept it that way for a reason because that's the way they always did it. Is the Whipple tuning, is that just a brand name when we when we see that? On Basically, things? yeah. <laughs> def- so, I mean, it's quite easy to explain, but not necessarily easy for, to help people understand right. what it is. But superchargers and turbochargers work in a similar way. They, they're operated differently, but basically all they're doing is taking taking a kilogram of air that takes up this much space and putting it in this much space so then because that air is in less space you can get more of that air in each cylinder and because there's more air there's more oxygen because there's more oxygen then you can put more fuel so basically you're just putting you're compressing they're just compressors they're compressing the air down to get more in so that's great but what you need to do is you need to then the 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 engine control needs to then be able to operate the injectors in a proper way. So, oh, okay. So you need to change the code for the injector operation. It's kind. There's. It almost becomes a bit of a catch twenty two. So so you have, the the engine sucks air in through the induction effect from the way the engine rotates, internal combustion engine rotating. It's drawing air in for vacuum depression. That air goes through a sensor whichever type of sensor you have, and that could be a whole episode in itself, but the amount of air is calculated by the temperature and et cetera, and the position on the throttle pedal, et cetera. That then determines how much fuel will be injected. But manufacturers, rightly so, have safety and operational longevity of the engine, environmental impact, and comfort they have those three key uh, indicators really that they have to look at when they're working out a, a, a map that we call a map that the, the way an engine's going to run mm. from the control unit they're pretty rigid except for the fact that you do have variable valve timing you do have extra injection for certain things but the way they're changed and operated by the engine control and the way that is adapted is through reading the sensors in the exhaust, the oxygen sensors, lambda ah, probes, whatever you call them. I wonder where that came so in. So they they read the they read the exhaust gas in terms of its hydrocarbon content, so unburnt fuel, and the oxygen content and various other things. But they read that before the catalytic converter and after the catalytic converter as well to make sure that the catalytic converter is working. But also from that reading, it will then decide, okay, we're using too much fuel. We're not getting enough air. We need to back the fuel off. We're not using enough fuel, so it's lean. Um, We need to add more fuel. And it can decrease or increase the fuel injection by most vehicles, it's 20 to 25%. Really? It's quite a lot. That's a huge amount. But at that point, that's your limit and it will bring your warning light on. Okay. And if it's doing that for an extended period of time, sort of 15% onwards, it will put the engine light on anyway and say, look, mm. there's an issue here. Now, sometimes it's just down to, you've had a misfire, driven it with a misfire and it's, it's fouled a spark plug or it's fouled 
one of the oxygen sensors, in which case you can sometimes, not always advisable and it needs to run properly, but you can sometimes clean an oxygen sensor and fix the problem. And the easiest way to test that on most of the European cars, you can switch them off. So you can switch the monitoring off. And if you switch the monitoring off and it runs on its default setting, where it doesn't look for that signal and it runs well, you know, okay, that's the issue. We'll just hmm. get the sensor out, try and clean it, put it back in. Can you just leave it running on default? No, because you can't. Once you ah, cycle okay. the ignition, it will turn them back on. Okay. You can, so <laughs> tuning companies can code them out so they don't look for that. And that's normally what they'll do. But in the case of the, you know, back to the whole point of this, the Whipple tune and any other tune that you get, you're changing the parameters that the injection, the oxygen sensors and everything else, the map sensor or map sensor, whatever you have on the intake or both sometimes, you're changing those parameters. You're making them, you're making them wider so there's less, uh, there's less likelihood of an error and, it, and it's allowing you to inject as much fuel as possible. But you're also being more arrow focused with certain things. So mm. for example, on wide open throttle, so that's when you've got your foot all the way to the floor, pass, kick down for old school listeners. When you've got your foot all the way to the floor, they'll do things like they'll switch off the AC so you get extra power. Okay. The AC drains a lot, particularly on a on a magnetic clutch kind of compressor system. You will lose quite a lot of power. So on wide open throttle, the AC goes off. doesn't stop blowing, and if you, you're not wide open throttle for more than 10 seconds, unless you're yeah. a lunatic. So, <laughs> you know, the AC will come back it on. Sounds and, like you know somebody. <laughs> yeah. Your AC will come back on, and you'll be none the wiser. Yeah. But these little things do make a massive difference. So it's all done with binary code, mm. hexadecimal. So another that, reason to learn coding, kids. Yeah, yeah. well, exactly. Um, particularly for for where we're going with with electric vehicles, and well, like we said, you can get eight hundred kilometers out of a Skoda with a one point five liter engine. In it. Like, yeah. how's that you know, possible? So this is all done through coding. This is yeah. all possible because of the way things are coded. So it's very important and. You know, some people, I know people, and to with basics, I can look at a map and say, oh, okay, the injection's off or whatever. You can sort of see it. With the yeah. graphs and live data over the top, I can see it. But I know people that can look at a map of hexadecimal or ones and zero binary and just be like, that's wrong. And we're talking hundreds of yeah. digits on a page. And they can manually write them and take them out and... In the old days, we used to have to take the control units apart and solder chips on and off the boards. And I've done that before and marked two goals for the Digifant fuel injection system that Bosch did, Digi2. And that was kind of cutting edge at the time. But now... Yeah, better have good soldering skills. Yeah, as long as you've got one of these laptops, yeah. you don't need to. You don't really need to do anything. But they're very, very clever how they work. But it's also, as with most clever things, this the simplicity of it. Yeah, mm. but the, we have vehicles in this region that are detuned because of the climate. So we get, we talked about it before, the, the oxygen's less dense, so you get less, the air's less dense, so there's less oxygen per given volume of air. So they're detuned to allow for that. So the fuel injection isn't as, let's say, aggressive is probably the word yeah. to use. It isn't as aggressive. In the case of diesel vehicles nowadays that have, you know, a lot of people that have had diesels for the last 20 years will know what. You know, commercial vehicles even longer but they'll know what AdBlue is AdBlue is sort of an ammonia solution that is in there's a separate tank for it which is then sprayed into the 
to get into the exhaust system to clean the exhaust. There's particulate filters in the exhaust which catch all the black. If anyone's been to watch truck racing and they get all the big, or they've been behind a truck that's going up a hill and it's gone full throttle to get up there and you see all the black smoke yeah, out the back. Yeah. Well, there's that particulate waste and there's they're basically cans on exhaust now that have filters to catch that, but it has to go somewhere. So they call it regeneration. It's just a way of not scaring the whale watchers to say they're burning it. And what happens is the fuel injector will inject a second or third, depending on how the engine's running time, just after the point that the first or second have, has happened to increase the temperature. And the increase in temperature then allows the particulate to burn off in the exhaust. And now most cars will do this without you noticing, but I can tell you from experience that on the VW, when that was first introduced on mass, I think the first vehicle in the group was the Audi TT diesel in like 2002. They had particulate filters and then the rest of the brands caught up. But in sort of 2006, seven, we started to get them and then the common rail came out, common rail diesel, we got them and we were having to regenerate them because what was happening was the sales executives were telling the customers the little knowledge that they had because they wouldn't go on the training course oh yeah just thrash it <laughs> basically just put your foot down and smash it around the town that doesn't it actually makes it a lot worse because you're getting more particulate matter in the exhaust because right. of that yeah, yeah. and it doesn't help so you have to be at a constant speed for a set amount of time for a sufficient amount of time not a set for a, and if you do that regular enough you'll never get the warning light on mm. if you get the warning light on what that will tell you is you'll need to initialize that deliberately now at that point you will notice a power increase and it's quite not you're talking i don't know we've never done the dyno on it obviously in vw don't that i can remember they didn't give us any data but 15 20 horsepower difference that's a lot which is basically what a tune is doing it's adding extra fuel and allowing extra air to increase and we've so we had a Exhaust extractors, you'll have seen them in the other We haven't got yeah, them here because the door's always open. We used to see exhaust extractors that pull the gas out on a closed workshop. And we've had a technician, I remember it, Paul Barker, his name, shout out Paul. He put an extractor on the back of the exhaust to do this regen and it melted it onto the exhaust. <laughs> it was glowing hot. Wow. So they, we were always told to do them outside, yeah. not inside. He just didn't get the memo, but we saw him firsthand that they weren't messing around either. Yeah. So yeah, they, they that that regeneration for DPFs is is a built-in tune effectively, so it, it will be triggered, mm. and that's exactly how anyone that says they're getting the car chipped, they call it chipped because, as I said, we used to physically put chips in, yeah, or remapped, or tuned, or whatever it may be. That's what they're doing. Basically, in the basic, most simple terms, they're allowing the engine to take more air and put more fuel in. There we go. So not necessarily the best for the longevity of the engine. And if you do get it done, you need to bring your service schedule down. So if you're doing it every 10, bring it down to 8. And then if you hear people start talking about stage 1, stage 2, stage 3, this is when it starts to get a bit mental. Stage (laughs) 1 is your basic one. Okay. Stage 2, you're starting to talk about Improved air intakes, improved exhaust systems, oh man, yeah, okay. including turbochargers, stage three, different injectors, stage four, big intercoolers, and you know, and this is the people that are getting, well, the TSI engines when they were 
sorry, yeah, the TSI, which was originally turbo supercharger, 1.4 litres in 2006, and they had them on the race cars, the touring cars, and they were doing 370 horsepower out of a 1.4. Yeah. So they were tuned to the limits, and you know these are these are properly engineered, and they're engines that are you know accepting that yeah, race maybe mm. two, and then we're rebuilding or throwing yeah. away and putting a new one in. Wild, yeah, wild. The, 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 thank you very much for that. Uh, so, would uh, going back to the Whipple, mm. recommend that kind of tuning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Having driven, I the... wouldn't want to drive. Like I say I've driven it at seven fifty-five. I wouldn't want to drive it at four hundred. Yeah, I don't think you know because it's a big old truck. Yeah, with extra weight bolted onto it. Of course, you know, like so, I wouldn't want to drive it at just four hundred. But then again, you know, it's still a big old truck at seven fifty-five. So it, it's it's one of those things where you know if you've got a big boat. And you want to tow a big boat <laughs> fantastic but if you really want 700 horsepower and you want to be having fun i don't think it's the right vehicle for that i i see uh just a regular ford f-150 ford f-150 raptor actually Raptors, i think yeah. at, at work in the parking lot and i laugh every time i see it in the parking lot because it doesn't fit in the parking space <laughs> It is hanging over, and, and there will be a Mazda, and there will be a, a an old Subaru that are kind of fitted in, and and then you have it, and I just look at this, and and it's at the really back end of the parking lot. There's no cars around. I'm going this this person's doomed in any other parking structure. How mad do you get when you're waiting in a car park for someone to park in the space in their pickup truck, and it's like, mate, yeah. get a smaller car if you can't park. <laughs> You know what I mean, I, I end up backing out. Just get a smaller moving. car. Yeah, yeah. It just annoys it's like, me. It's so annoying. I, just I, I don't find get it dangerous it. when I'm. I've someone's decided they want to park beside me, and then I got to back out, and I can't see around the truck. Yeah. But I'm like halfway in the lane now, because it's already three feet hanging over the edge of the parking spot. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just find it, you know, what yeah. can you do? But maybe that's just envy. <laughs> There's some part of me with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if a if a VW Amarok came available i think I i'd have that. a serious consideration to buy one of those i've always wanted one in the uk and we got we got trained on them because they were sold as a commercial vehicle which mm. was a separate department to us we were passenger cars but obviously people weren't buying them yeah for work no apart from them being a tax write-off <laughs> they were buying them to use to take yeah. the kids to school and back in so we were going to get the service we never see them, them here we don't see too many of them here no there's not that many there are a few around there's not mm. that many though but you know i, I would you see the thing is with this is what scares me with the pickup truck and i think you're in the same position really with the wranglers once you've had something that's so utilitarian and uh, so yeah. practical you can't ever get rid of it that's the problem and and it becomes a real challenge because you know i look at the skodas and i look at the new vws and i see the you know the gtir and i look at that yeah. and you know it's like i i am just in love and then when push comes to shove yeah. it's yeah i think it's just gonna get another wrangler yeah, because you can't just nip over the sand or up the curb. Yeah, yeah, you get used to being having that utility of the, taking it where you want. The worst part is I'm not really off roading anymore that much. So I do I really need this four wheel drive? No, but I really like it. Mm. <laughs> and it, you know, it's it's got all the things that people hate. Is you know, is it the most comfortable vehicle? No. Is it the most aerodynamic? Absolutely not. <laughs> is, you know, there's yeah. all sorts of things. But yeah. do I want to get rid of it? 
No. Yeah. It's, it's like I say, you, you just, just can't get used hold to back. Yeah. It's, for so long. It's tough. It's tough. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Anyway, that was fun. Um, what, what else you got hanging out in the shop? Anything cool out there? Uh, no, there's no, there's an old classic three, four, eight Ferrari coming in oh. on Sunday. Oh, some window motors. Okay. Imported from the UK, but it's not an actual UK. It's not a British car. It's still a left hooker, mm. but that'll be interesting. Yeah. Guy was like, how long is that going to take? I was like, where did it come from? Cause they didn't, that was not from here. Yeah. The UK. I was like, oh no. So there's rust on it then. You know, we've got to get yeah. into the door cards, which have probably not been off. 20 years yeah. to fix the windows which have probably not moved for 5 years while he's waiting for the parts you know what I mean yeah yeah something's gonna break <sighs> yeah as long as it's not my spirit I don't yeah I don't <laughs> we'll probably get through it but yeah that'll be interesting we've had we've had fun and games this week it's obviously AC season started oh, if, so, you, if you're not on the you AC know. get on the AC because it will go yeah we've had that issue for, for a lot of people oil leaks this year you know and I, oh, yeah. we, we, I, I don't know if it's just if it's just down to the whole people not using their cars as much during COVID and, and seals just aren't, you know, they're, they're yeah. just now getting to the point where they're giving up. I, I just don't know. But it's it's also probably down to the fact that people are keeping the cars a lot longer now and going yeah. through a lot more strife with them because what option do they have? Yeah. There yeah. aren't new ones available and the ones that are available are so expensive. It's, you know, so I don't know. I think people are just keeping the cars longer maybe and, and that's good for us, of course, but the constant, constant giving of bad news to people. Oh, well, I mean, like, like I had the bad news when I had the brake failure and we, yeah. we haven't talked about that, but I yeah. had, you know, and, and I mean, that was, I, that was actually kind of scary Yeah, because it was 100% complete brake oh, yeah. failure. Like there was no brake fluid and, yeah. and fortunately your guys came and picked it up. But, you know, as I was kind of walking around and I thought, oh, no, maybe it's something else. The underside, so this was the right-hand side hose on the front, on the front broke. And as I walked around just taking a look, it was completely cleaned because the brake fluid had cleaned everything yeah. underneath there. Yeah. And it was, oh, man. this. But it was it was scary. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, you're so used to at least having some breakage. Mm. And then I thought, wow, what if I'd been going downhill? What if I'd been in traffic and this had happened? My wife said, she said, I'm glad I wasn't driving because what would I've done? She says, I'm, you know, hopefully all the training and all the experience would have kicked in, but maybe not. Particularly in automatic. Yeah. You've got no engine braking, so to speak. No. Really. Not, not, not of any real value. And you don't necessarily think to, you know, fire it down into the lowest gear. So at least you're doing that and then yeah. yank up on your uh, emergency brake. Yeah. So it luckily uh, we're in quite a flat country. Yeah, and if, and when it happened it wasn't a busy it was late at night, so it was yeah. okay, this isn't a I'm big I'm sure deal. you'll have them in Canada. We in, in the UK on on the some of the sort of the elevated roads with the inclines or declines, they have the gravel traps right, at the side for the yeah. brakes yeah. for the trucks whose yeah. brakes overheat and it's like obviously we have I've got the you've not really got any uh unless you're driving up Jebel Jace. Yeah. There's no real roads that are up and down hill wise, but we'd had i think i said to you at the time we'd had we'd had two or three brake hose failures within that sort of same five yeah. six day period one was done by a, a pressure washer which i think we talked about on a peugeot and yeah, then we did then yours but yours just failed just failed the, the and, and it happens yeah, you know the hose they, just broke it just they have to be it's a little bit like acs they have to be rubber because they've got to move yeah. got to move the suspension and the steering 
if they weren't and they were just fixed like AC lines in houses, who's ever had an AC line leak in a house? I yeah. mean, it never, never really happens, does it? So if they were able to be fixed, you wouldn't have a problem. And unfortunately, that's not the way. Yeah. The, the other one that I, I had on the same vehicle, the same vehicle had some, we had the pressure hose for pressure hose connector for the radiator. And as yeah. we were getting into warm season, I'm thinking this is also an area that starts to go. And as I was looking at that hose, I'm sure it's been replaced once. We were talking, you know, 400,000 kilometers on this and it had a connector that was off. I mean, it was, it was like a, it was a hose clamp, which, but not the right kind of hose clamp for a car, but a hose clamp anyway. So I'm sure that hose had been replaced and you know, that's, that's a vital piece of equipment and, and the connector to it. I don't know what that's called. The, the seal or whatever it is, because that's actually where the problem was. But your guys obviously did the right thing and replaced the seal, this, this thing that it connected to and the hose going, you know, the problem you've got with the hose. Once you start to leak around where the clip's been, the clip has, the clip has deformed the hose. Well, actually, no, not really. The hose is deformed around the clip. Yeah. So even when you put the clip back on, it's still loose. And what can happen is they leak internal to the structure of the actual hose. So then they leak through the, right. through the hose nice. rather than out of the hose. And yeah. then they get out that, that way. And, you know, we get it all the time where, so we, we, when we empty a, a cooling system, we fill it under vacuum. It's not perfect because thermostat valves and heater cores in the front and rear, but it pulls almost all of the air out of the system. Mm. So then when we fill it, it's easier to bleed the remaining air out. But sometimes what happens is the hoses disintegrate internally. So one of the layers of the hose falls in. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it doesn't actually yeah, yeah. let the water through. So yeah. you're like, what is wrong with this car? Why is <laughs> yeah. the water not circulating? Change the thermostat. No. Take the thermostat out. It still won't circulate. The radiator must be blocked. No, it's not. And it's like, it happens all the time. And with oil and water mixture, when a cooler fails, you know, we've got a Range Rover and I'm, I'm waiting for the message. I, the guy's a friend of mine. I'm waiting for the message because one of the hoses after we did the oil and water failed when we first put it back up to do a flush on it. And it's yeah. like, well, they're all going to go. Yeah. These coolant hoses aren't designed for nothing but coolant. Yeah. So they've had oil and they go soft. So it's like, it's like if you microwave a, a pastry, it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel right afterwards. You know, <laughs> right. it, it yeah, kind yeah. of does the job, but it's not right. Yeah. And, and they feel the same. They are really pappy and the heat and pressure that they're under after that, they're going to fail one by one. And the problem from a business point of view is the customer comes in with a coolant light on and it overheated. Now we can tell them all we want. Yep, you've got oil in the water, the yeah, sensor's yeah. blocked, that's why the light's on, but it's overheated because the coolant, the emulsification means that it's too thick, it can't go through the radiator. But then when they go away and then three weeks later they get the coolant light on and it overheats because there's a hose that's burst. To them, it's the same problem. Yeah, but it's not. Even though we're explaining this is something different, it's just giving you the same symptoms. To them, it's the same problem, you know? And it's like, as frustrating as that may be, this customer is a customer at the end of the day and they aren't, they're not qualified and trained as a technician. So, So we have to accept so it's really, really hard to keep that balance of, yeah, it's going to be like 4K to fix your issue, but we really need to spend an extra five on all the hoses on the engine. Yeah. Who's doing that? Because yeah. also, they're not always all available. In fact, <laughs> invariably, half of them aren't because they don't normally fail. 
Well, that was that was one of the things that you said about the Wrangler. You said this hose is not readily available. There's lots yeah. of Wranglers, but this hose usually doesn't go. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And then you get cars, cars like an Opel, oh. or cars like an Alpha. Nothing against the car. Yeah, a lot yeah. against cars. Nothing against the cars on the record, but no parts. Yeah. Bottom radiator hose for an Opel we had in a few weeks ago. Can't get one here. They won't order one. It's forty-five days. So then we call Vauxhall in the UK, and then we have to ship one over from there. And it's like, man, it's a radiator yeah. hose. Yeah. And there's no one who can fabricate one. So sometimes when they're relatively straight, so if they're straight or they've got regular angles, ninety degree angles, you can, yeah, finagle whatever you want to call it or MacGyver one. And usually what we'll do is we'll buy a lot of them are S shaped. So you'll just get two 90-degree hose pieces and then just put a metal hose and yeah. extra clamps. The only problem with that is you're adding more failure points. Right. And, and this it is, will fail. Yeah, yeah. And this is why, you know, like, hoses can be expensive. And again, the rubber, just like we talked about with the brake hose and the AC hoses, because the engine has to move because it's a dynamic system. It moves on its mountains and, and it has to flex, so you can't have metal hoses. But sort of then you would think to yourself, logically, well, why don't we make all of it metal yeah. except for a little flexible piece in it? And then <laughs> yeah. that flexible piece yeah. is going to be dead cheap to buy. And you're yeah. right, but it's now got failure points, yeah. got extra failure points, not only at the end of the hoses where they're on the flange, but then in the middle there's two more. Right. And this is the problem. So, yeah, there's a – and also buying the car new would be so much more – expensive and yeah. then what happens when one of the metal hoses does fail which uh, does happen yeah there are metal hoses on engines and they do fail so that becomes an expensive job as well oh, so man. yeah there's um it's all you know it, it's, it's all very one. much a compromise but it's a tough one when you're going to now have the client calling you up and you're going to say we we really have to replace them all what are you supposed to say to them when they come back yeah. a month later i told you so <laughs> Yeah. that's not good business but sense is it yeah, that doubles the price of the repair and it's and the, already expensive. And this is the other issue right so you've given them the bad news initially you've got to give them again and it's yeah. like, i've already paid for that yeah i know yeah. i'm really sorry we had a, a range rover in last week and we did a service on it It was up in the air service all the suspension bushes were were worn out and there's excessive play on the bottom arm bushes we've explained it to the customer as we do with most every customer we've sent pictures and videos the car's up in the air bushes are no good okay we then put the car back down that suspension's now been hanging for two hours oh no customer doesn't want to do the arms you're gonna do the next service oh, no, that's no. fine yeah yeah but now the, the whole steering <laughs> geometry's moved because the bushes have moved yeah so the customer's taken the we've, we've then road tested the vehicle after the service and the, alignment, the alignment's out <laughs> yeah. way out yeah and when you break it's pulling yeah now that's not the customer's fault we're the ones who lifted the car up but we have to lift the car up to do the job yeah so it's also not our fault. The fix is this, but you don't want to do it. Take the car away. Yeah. But then they've come back eventually realizing, oh, crap, now I'm going to wear my tires out really fast. I better get yeah. it done. And it's like, how do you... These are questions that there are no answers to. Right. You know, unless, you know, we've managed to, you know, work it out that everyone can become a millionaire and we can just all work on some yeah. system where it's fine, let's just get the work <laughs> just done. Just do and, it, just you know, do it. But, we, you know, there's no, no way, there's just no way to to always do it. And, and giving bad news twice. Oh, man. And having well, to, you know, everybody's been ripped, ripped off. Well, I, and that's the other thing, because everyone's had a bad experience at some point. Yeah. You're not giving them a bad experience, but they're going, am I getting ripped yeah, off? Yeah, exactly. It's always, and look, you always question. Yeah. Especially 
estate agents and mechanics. Always question us. And this is coming from a mechanic. Yeah, yeah. Always Ask question lots us. of questions. Always question us. And I get it. But, you know, it's so difficult trying to tell the truth knowing that someone thinks you're lying. You know, like you're so conscious of what you're saying. <laughs> and I've had yeah. conversations with customers before about faults where we've been, and while I'm explaining it to them, been like, oh, light bulb's gone off thinking, shit, now I know what, yeah, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you get that, but it's so difficult when you know or suspect that you know that the customer thinks that you're lying to them because yeah. they've had a bad, and, and we get customers, as do other garages here, and there are some good garages here, where customers will go to them and say, oh, I've been to so-and-so and, -so and they've, they've told me this and it's no good. And immediately you're thinking, so you're already not happy with one person a few days ago. So rightfully so, you've taken your option to go yeah. somewhere else. But now yeah. I'm getting tired with that brush until I show you that. Yeah. And if you, if you right. agree with them, oh, you're in collusion. Exactly. All you mechanics are the same. This always happens, right? Oh, so, yeah, it can be... Uh, yeah, the podcast sometimes is therapy for me, isn't it? Because like just constantly giving people bad news. But, you know, we get it as someone that we obviously both know, Colin, yeah. deal with all their fans. And so we will fix it, guys. Yeah, yeah, so it's always, we get the car vans in for service and keep them on the road as quick as we can. And we understand the, the time constraints because of the loss of earnings for them. And, you know, they've got to have the vans back. So everything that we do beyond the service is bad news, like, yeah. oh, bad news. Yeah. You know, and I know from the time and money that we spend on our own vehicles that it would be such a drain on our business if we had to, to do it. Obviously, we can do it ourselves and, you know, we just pay for the parts and lose the time on productive time for other vehicles. But, you know, it's bad news to everybody. Yeah. No matter what, unless somebody comes in and says to you, Oh, my AC stopped working. And you get in the vehicle and it's not turned on. But then... <laughs> Which does happen. Don't yeah, get me yeah, wrong. It happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. But it's not... That's not bad news to give to someone. Yeah. It's just... you weren't, But that's not a nice conversation either. There aren't really any, you know, any any great conversations. And, you know, it's it's very, very difficult sometimes. And, and this is why when, when there's a repair that needs to be done, someone will say, oh, how long can I go without doing it? That, again, is an impossible answer question to answer because how do you drive how often do you drive yeah. what's yeah, your yeah. kilometers every year it's <laughs> it's very very difficult so sometimes we're too keen to to get it done now which then looks like we're just trying to upsell and the, <sighs> the balance becomes difficult yeah. yeah yeah for sure oh man uh, a parting note was driving in this morning to the podcast of course i'm in the jeep no windows yes nothing on find uh, new radicals playing Yes. Old tune. You know, we all don't know that tune. Don't, don't give up. There's a reason. Don't, don't give up. And so it's cranked, right? And we're on, we're on Mohammed bin Zayed 311, just cruising at the speed limit. Oh, no, actually, it was on Al Kale Road. Uh, and suddenly my car is making this screeching. And I'm just going, oh, my. It's like, fortunately, I'm coming to the garage. But I'm just thinking, really? And I'm thinking, oh, is the truck beside me making that sound? Turn off the radio. No, it's the new radicals making that yes, sound. Reverb. <laughs> it's, it's a, but it was the weirdest sound because it literally sounded like it was coming from the suspension of the vehicle. Well, at yeah. least it wasn't. At least it wasn't. Happy I know. It's like, you know, and that, that fear that instantly comes into everyone when your vehicle's making a new sound. Actually, my other Jeep's making a new sound. And it's it's not a bad thing. It's tire wear sound. Oh. 
and my tires have gotten a little noisier. Getting ready. And, but it's, I mean, it's a Jeep. So you know that Jeep noisy tire sound? Yeah, it's, we're not talking about the Willys Jeeps that go past you and you no, can hear them. But, but think of one of those, but, but I, I, mine is not, yeah, mine has got yeah. no mods on it. So it's stock. So it's got, I got, you know, okay tires. They're not bad, but they've, as they're wearing, they're probably going to have to be changed next year. The wearage is start, they've just gotten a little noisy. Yeah, it's something that's important to sort of mention, I guess, here is with tire wear it's very very usual especially on more modern cars for them to wear kind of unevenly because yeah. of how they're set up but what we have to remember is that a bit like a wheel bearing the wheel bearing effectively operates silently the moment you yeah. start hearing it is because there's more friction happening the, the more friction makes the sound it also makes heat yeah. the sound is a very very small part of the energy transfer there the actual main part of it is the heat tires do not like temperature change there's an unavoidable fact that you will start your vehicle in the morning at nowadays what 25 to 30 degrees c and by the time you've driven 50 kilometers they're going to be 60 65 degrees c that's unavoidable but the problem is it it changes the pressure in the tire so drastically yeah you know we we could we could do an experiment in the in the sort of middle of the summer where we could have a car in here overnight and start it in the morning and we could drive it in the middle of the day and we could set the pressures to, let's say, 0.2 bar low, below the spec, drive it during the middle of the day for 20 minutes, bring it back in, and they'd be above by 0.1, yeah. 0.2 bars. Yeah. So you have to, you have to, yeah, tire noise is the, like you say, it's the indicator. Yeah. You know you're getting ready. It's yeah. going to be within the next six to 12 months they're going to yeah. want changing. Yeah, and absolutely. It's about, it's good that, because a lot of people, it happens gradually, and you yeah. don't necessarily notice it. When you notice it, you can be mindful of it and, yeah. and get it done. But a lot of people don't, and we get the cars in and say, "Look, the tires are real noisy." Like, well, it's always been like that. <laughs> Put new tires on it. It's like, oh man, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like in a recording studio. Yeah, it's just so quiet now. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Hey, Glenn, this has been a wonderful podcast. Anyone wants to get in touch with us, by the way, if you're watching us on YouTube, leave us a comment, subscribe put your questions into the comment box. If you're listening to us through any of your mediums, drop us an email, podaholics with a K at gmail.com. Send in your questions. If you're on a 100.3 talk radio right here in Dubai, send in a WhatsApp, they'll get it to us and we'll get those questions also onto the program. So hey, thank you very much everyone for getting involved, for listening, for participating. Glenn, thank you thank for you. the time and we'll do it all again really, really soon. You've been listening to the PowerWorks Podcast.